Hello and welcome to the Northgate Podcast, where we aim to bring people closer to Christ, build them up, and empower them to go out into the world and make a positive impact. With our inspiring content and engaging discussions, this podcast serves as a beacon of hope and spiritual growth for all its listeners. The purpose of the Northgate Podcast can be summed up by our mission to bring people to Christ, build them up in that relationship, and send them out. This motto encapsulates our dedication to help individuals discover the transformative power of Christ's love, nurture their faith, and develop a strong foundation in their spiritual journey. Now here is today's message. Right, good morning. I, it's echo of Pastor Vern said, if it's the sun, if it's the extra hour of sleep, you guys sound awesome. It's good to be here, and I'm glad uh, to continue this Hebrew series together. We have to get right into it greater than we've been studying Hebrews. This is week five of eight. Sometimes people leave the church. A lot of times people move. It's, it always seems like it's to nicer weather, right? It's never to Minnesota or Maine. It's like Morocco, right, for example. Uh, except Andy Fust uh, moved to Canada. He's the only one I could come up with. Uh, but sometimes people don't move. They just stop coming to Northgate. And every pastor feels a different way about those kind of things. We try to keep up. Now, that obviously became a more difficult thing to track uh, during COVID, right? That was a really difficult thing. We certainly made our best efforts. Our best efforts weren't perfect to stay in touch with people. There was undoubtedly people that we missed. But sometimes I'll see people, I'll see them pop up on Facebook at a new church, and truthfully, I don't lose a lot of sleep over it. I don't want you to think I'm, I'm mean or callous or I don't care. I, I do. I absolutely do. But I love this place. I don't ever want to leave. So to see people leave is, is confusing for me. But as great of a church as I believe this is, I also know we won't and can't be a perfect church for everyone. Sometimes people leave over things we just can't compromise over. They, they want us to change scripture to make it fit more comfortably into a modern context. I remember a young couple years ago when I was at our South Campus, they'd come for a little while, started to get engaged, get involved, started to get to know them, and then they left. I hadn't seen them. So after a couple of weeks, I reached out, said, hey, just wonder where you guys have been. We miss seeing you. And they said, yeah, you know, we really like it. We really like the people. We just think you're too theologically exclusive. I said, okay, what, like, explain that. What do you mean too theologically exclusive? They said, you know, the whole Jesus is the only way to heaven thing. I was like, okay, great. Well, I wish you all the best. That is uh, something that we're gonna stick to, right? That's it. That's what we got. So if that's a problem, then we're not gonna be the right place for you. Other people that want us to do things that aren't in the DNA of our church, people who think we should be the extension of a political party, that messages should sound like campaign endorsement speeches, and we don't do that, and we're not going to do that. That's not who we are. So when people are looking for that, they don't stay. And those things, they're interesting to process, right? I always want to learn from them. I always want to be open to the idea that there are things that we could do better, right? We don't want to be arrogant. There are things we can improve. There are ways that we need to grow. But the people that start going to the church up the street or down the street or two towns over, they don't really cause me to lose a lot of sleep. You know who does? The people that give up on church all together. People who are here, who are engaged, who are involved, people who had a testimony about how God saved them and how God was changing them. And then they just seem to walk away or drift away or fall away. And we'll reach out to those people. Someone will say in the office, hey, has anybody seen blank in a while? And we'll say, no, I haven't, right? And we'll check and see if you checked your kids in or anything like that. See if anybody's seen you. 
and we'll reach out, right? Sometimes we just miss people, it's a big place. And whenever I've done that, whenever I've reached out, the answer is almost always the same. It's not, yeah, Northgate really hurt me. It's not, yeah, I've just given up on Jesus. It's, we just kind of fell out of the routine. You know, we fell out of the routine. We got busy. We were traveling, doing a lot of traveling. I love to travel. We were camping, right? Kids' sports took over. That certainly can happen. We were sick for a while, and we just never really came back. And in different ways and for different reasons, we just see people fall away. And that's what keeps me up at night. I know that Northgate is not the only way to eternal life, but a living, active, and real relationship with Jesus is. And so I want to talk to you this morning about falling away. Now, I grew up in a once saved, always saved tradition. So don't check out just based on the introduction or the title of this message. I understand where you're coming from. But as we always do, we're going to try and let Scripture, a really tough piece of Scripture, shape our position. Not just what we've always believed to be true, not just what we were told by our third grade Sunday school teacher. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6, and you can open up your Bibles, open up your version app if you want to use that. We're going to go through uh, a big section of this. We're actually picking up right where we left off last week at the end of chapter 5. So when you open Hebrews 6, the first word, who can, somebody up front, you say, what's the first word right there, nice and loud? Therefore, right, Andy Stanley said, whenever you see that in scripture, you have to ask, what's that there for? You need to know what was before that. And so that's what we looked at in last weekend's message, right? Hebrews chapter five at the end, the author is rebuking people for being spiritually immature, telling them you're not making progress, right? Your failure to thrive Christians, saying you need to grow up, bro, right? If you're here, you got that. If not, you wonder what that is. And this is, so it says, hey, having said that, having said we need to make progress in our faith, we need to grow up, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. So we've got to move beyond the ABCs, right? The elementary stuff. Enough with the basic building blocks of foundation. Let's get to some real stuff. Let's move on to maturity. We've already laid the foundation. We should know about the importance of the repentance of sins. They're saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the ways I've fallen short of your standard. We should already know about putting our faith and our trust completely in God, saying, God, I know no one else and nothing else could save me. We should know about the cleansing rites, as they call it in Judaism, or baptism, as Christ followers call it. We should know about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, that all of life is leading to this moment of truth where we will be in a time and a place where we face our Creator. But if we look closely at that list in these first three verses, it's not just a good foundational list of things for Christians to know. Remember, this book was written to people who'd been a part of the Jewish faith, but who are now trying to follow Jesus, but they were struggling with that. And there's nothing actually distinctively Christian about these first three, this, this first three verses, the list there. Those things were all also a part of Judaism. Baptism's not, that's distinctly Christian. But remember, it talked about cleansing rites, which is something that was a part of the Jewish faith. There's no specific mention of Jesus. There's no reference made to salvation by grace alone. Someone could believe in these things, they could live out these things and not be a Christ follower. They could hear, adhere to this list and not believe that Jesus was and is the Messiah. This 
as former followers of Judaism, this is their starting point, right? This is what they came into this believing. There are things that they came into the Christian faith already holding to. And the author's saying, you have this foundation. This is a good foundation, but now we need to move forward because we all have a starting point, but we need to move beyond that. For the vast majority of us here, our starting point in our Christian faith is not with the foundation of Judaism. But we all have a starting point. Some people, you grew up in the households that made sure you were at church every single time the doors were open. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, right? That was me. If you were there, I was there too. Some of you grew up in a setting where you went to church on Christmas and Easter, right? It was a family thing you did around the holidays. Some of you never, ever went to church. If not ever, sometimes for decades, I loved it. A while ago, I was having a conversation out in the lobby with a guy, and we're talking, and he stopped and said hi to a guy walking by. And then he looked at me, he goes, I cannot believe that guy's in church. He goes, there are more guys here that I thought I would never see in church. And they just put the biggest smile on my face. I was like, good, that's exactly who I want here. So our starting point may look different, but no matter what the starting point is, the imperative remains the same for all of us to move beyond that starting point. If you need to dig deeper on that, I've just got to encourage you to check out last weekend's message. There's a lot to get to today, and I really need to give particularly these next three verses the proper time and attention. So if you missed last week, go back and watch that. Not right now. It'll be awkward, but later. Verses four to six, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Now, impossible. That feels like a strong word, right? Maybe it means it's unlikely. Maybe the word there means it's just not probable, Well, there's some other uses in Hebrews of the same word. Hebrews 6.18, it says, it is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 10.4 says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Hebrews 11.6 says, it is impossible to please God without faith. So this word here means impossible. It can't happen. It doesn't happen. It won't happen. So what this is saying is, it is impossible For someone who has experienced the love and the power of God and Jesus in a real and tangible way and then has fallen away, who's walked away from God, it is impossible for them to be brought back to repentance. And that's tough. I don't know that I like that. I do know that I don't get to change scripture just because I don't like something. But if that means what it seems to mean, there's a really brutal truth tucked into these pages of scripture. And this is one of the most hotly debated pieces of scripture in the New Testament. Commentator David Guzik, he said, uh, debaters have great certainty, but no agreement. So in other words, they don't agree with each other at all, but they're all very sure that they are the ones that are right. So let's just break this down. One side says, if this happens, if a person has great spiritual experiences, powerful religious experiences, but they're not actually ever saved right? They, they go through something, they feel something, but they're not actually ever saved. And so when we see them fall away, it was all just a facade. Even if they professed faith, even if they experienced God at work in their lives, they were never actually a Christian. The other side said that this can happen when a person 
falls away or walks away from their salvation. Now, I hate the phrase, lose your salvation, right? That's what I heard growing up. You aren't gonna lose your salvation like your wallet or your keys, right? You don't need to put an Apple AirTag on your salvation and be like, whoa, where'd my salvation go? It's not like that. You're not gonna lose your salvation. But if I've seen people profess a love for Jesus, people who worshiped him, people who served him, people who claimed to know him, have I seen them do that and then just walk away? I have. And rarely when it happens do they do that in an instant. It usually comes one sinful choice at a time. Deciding that you don't actually need to follow that rule, that's archaic. Deciding that the way you approach something makes it not a sin for you, even if it is a sin for others. Deciding that truth is relative and your decisions are your choices alone. And when we do that long enough, when we walk in whatever direction the wind blows and we either don't consult a map or if we do consult the map, we don't change anything based on what it says, it happens. People walk away, they fall away. And people wanna spend all kinds of time and energy debating the semantics of how they got here. One camp will tell you that they were never truly saved and the other camp will tell you that they were, but they aren't now. What do both of those views have in common? Well, on either side, you're no longer a sinner saved by grace. I mean, debate how you got there all that you want. The net result is exactly the same. And that is why a heart that has become callous towards God is the most dangerous thing you can develop. My friends, don't let this be you. You're here you're listening, you're open to what God is saying, that's great, but don't ever experience and taste the goodness of God and then have it become so commonplace to you that you just grow cold and callous towards God. Anthony said last week, don't let me forget the joy of my salvation. Don't let me become so comfortable to the point of complacency about the amazing grace that saved me. Don't let that callous grow. Pray that God will create a clean heart in you and that he will renew a right spirit in you. Now, I need to make sure that you see this really clearly in verse six. So this is Hebrews 6, 6. It says, fallen away and not fallen. The last thing, absolute last thing that I want is a bunch of people who love Jesus and who have surrendered their lives to him to walk out of here thinking the next time you sin, you're no longer a Christ follower. That is works-based theology and it is brutal and it is excruciating to try to live under. There is a huge difference between falling and falling away. We are all going to fall, every one of us. The Bible tells us even a righteous person falls seven times, but they get back up. We don't wanna fall. I wouldn't encourage you to build a certain allotment of falls in for yourself. Say, all right, I'm gonna sin seven times today, but that's it, right? I've used up my seven, I'm done. But when it happens, when we fall, we get back up. But falling away, on the other hand, that's a choice that's made over time. When time and time again, we choose sin, we choose comfort, we choose what's easy over choosing Jesus. The message that the author is trying to get to these people who are contemplating walking away from their faith is crystal clear. If you don't stick with Jesus, you will not find salvation anywhere else. They wouldn't find it in Judaism. You won't find it in secularism or in humanism. If you're not saved by the grace of Jesus, you are not saved at all. So if you're developing a callous heart towards God, if you feel that, 
you're in grave danger. I need to let you know that I would not be someone that cared for you if I didn't tell you that. Just don't ignore the warning signs and keep pushing forward. If you're here and you're hearing from the Holy Spirit saying he is talking directly to you right now, then it is not too late to repent and to turn. But do it now. Don't wait. Don't let that callus grow even tougher and even stronger. On the next two verses, our author gives an illustration of the dire consequences of falling away. Verses seven and eight. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. I mean, this makes sense to us, right? We're not all farmers, but we pretty much all live in and near farming communities. When good land gets the rain that it needs, it will produce the useful crops that have been planted. But land that doesn't produce anything useful, it gets turned over, right? A farmer's gonna tear it up. You're gonna start over. You're gonna try again to yield a productive crop because ultimately our lives will be judged by what they produce, it's not a more direct way to say that. If our lives are not producing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, if it's not producing those things in increasing measure, then we need to ask the question if we're truly following Jesus and if we're living by the Spirit. Again, this doesn't mean that you have all of those things 100% of the time, right? You don't probably have peace 100% of the time in every circumstance. But are we seeing those things in increasing measure? Because ultimately our lives are going to be judged by what they produce. Verses 9 and 10. Love this kind of turn here. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. I love it. The author just, I mean, really finishes putting the hammer down on these readers and then tries to soften the blow a little bit, right? Says all of that and then says, even though we speak like this, right? Even, even though I got some hard truths to tell you today, we're convinced of better things in your case. The author says, I believe you will not fall away as I've talked about. I believe that you have what you need to firmly and securely have your salvation in Jesus. I believe that it's not too late for any of you. And in just a few minutes when we share in communion, you're gonna have an opportunity to tell God, my heart is open to you. It's not callous, right? It's not turned away. Because even though this is an incredibly difficult section of scripture, the author knew and I know that we need to be both challenged and encouraged. Right, we need a bit of both. I don't want you to leave beat up or beat down today. I don't want you to leave questioning the validity of your salvation, unless you should, right? I want people to leave encouraged, but there's also people that need to be challenged. You need a little kick today. First John says we can know that we have eternal life. God has given us everything that we need for salvation in Jesus and to live the kind of life he calls us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's great news. You should be encouraged if you are doing that. But if you're wandering away, if you're falling away, I need you to feel challenged by the weightiness of this chapter of Scripture, by the eternal stakes of all this. I want you to feel a little bit uncomfortable. We both or we need to be both challenged and encouraged. Which one do you need today? 
Last two verses in this section, 11 and 12. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. I love that. So that what you hope for may be fully realized. That's one of your pastors. That's what I want for each and every one of us. That what you hope for may be fully realized. But how do we get there? How do we get there? We do not get there by falling away from Jesus. We get there by showing diligence to the very end, by not becoming lazy, by following the example of people who have lived out their own faith in a profound and powerful way. So we need to be diligent and not lazy in our faith. When I'm doing pre-marriage counseling, and a lot of times I'm doing counseling after people have been married, I'll talk about spinning plates. Have you ever seen one of those people and they spin the plates and you get it up on the stick and you start it and it starts going, right? And it gets going. And once it's got some momentum, it, it goes pretty well. And so what happens is we get our career, right? You get your career spinning and then you get married. So you've got this and you got that over there and you're like, oh, I gotta spin this plate. I can't spin with my left hand. It would not go well. So I'm spinning this plate, right? And I got these two plates and I'm like, okay, this is good. Spin, spin, keep them going. And then a lot of people, you throw kids in there that's the third plate so now you got this plate and you got your career you got to keep that going they expect you to show up and, and a lot of them expect you to do some stuff while you're there so you're doing that right and then you've got the the kids and then you look over in that marriage plate I don't know it's, it's starting to wobble right I haven't spun that in a while I haven't gone on a date I haven't invested in the relationship I haven't done anything and and we look and we just keep getting this one we get in this one and what happens for a lot of people is that marriage plate is the one that suffers right it falls off and it crashes there because they never put any attention into it and we do the same thing with our relationship with Jesus. We have so many things we're trying to balance, right? We're trying to balance our health. We're trying to balance our job and our finances and all that. And we've got this plate over here and it's a relationship with Jesus. And we haven't spun that plate at all in a while. And it's wobbling pretty, pretty bad. And we think, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So what I want you to walk away from this passage with, this uh, commitment to never ever let your heart become callous towards God. A desire to invest in your relationship with God, continually to spin that plate too. I know you've got all the other ones and you feel like if you take your eye off of one of these, they're gonna fall, but I'm telling you, you cannot let that one fall. Invest in that relationship. Do not let that callous build. We have a chance to share in communion together and I think this message leads uh, right where I want you to be for that because there's, there's a chance, right? There's an opportunity for you to have this interaction with God wherever you are. I did a wedding a couple Saturdays ago and uh, the couples wrote their vows and they were just beautiful. And I had so many people at the reception afterwards say, we felt like we were at a vow renewal for us. Like we were taking those vows with them. And I said, that's, that's great, right? You've done that. You go to a wedding with your spouse and you feel like, all right, like our, our marriage is even stronger. We have an opportunity to do that with communion today. Maybe it's a vow renewal for you and God, right? For where you are to say, God, this is who I wanna be. This is what I'm gonna do. There's a lot of stuff vying for my attention, but God, if I don't put you first, everything else is gonna fail. So maybe you're gonna come to the table today and you're doing great. And it's just a time for you to express your gratitude to God for what he's done and what he's doing in your life. Maybe you're not doing great, for some of you, you're gonna come here and say, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. And it's a time to recommit. It's a time to renew and say, God, I want my life centered and focused on you. Some of you here, you're gonna come forward and you know you've been wandering. 
You've been floundering, right? You're just kind of that plate's wobbling pretty hard, and you know that's not what you want to do. You can come forward today. You can receive communion. You can say, God, I want you to be the center of my life. Other people, you have the opportunity. This is your first step towards God. You've never taken a step towards God, but you can do that today, and you can receive that body and that blood and say, God, I don't know what you want to do in my life, but I'm open to it. And finally, I would say there are people here and you're starting to feel that callus develop. Right? You're starting to feel it. The heart's getting a little callous. It's getting a little rough. And this is a chance for you to say, no, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let that callus develop. I will not do it. I am open to you. My heart is soft for you. I want to hear what you have for me. God, I'm open. I'm not walking away. I'm not going to be one of those people that we look and say, what happened to them? We can do all that when we come to the table today. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I pray for the people that need to be challenged in this room and online. God, I pray, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would challenge them in a way that I never could. Oh God, help us not to become complacent. God, help us not to walk away. Help us not to leave all that you have given us. And God, for the people here that need to be encouraged, Lord, I pray again by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would give us what we need. Lord, there are people here that are walking faithfully and diligently with you, and I pray you would just give them, Lord, the reminder that, that you see that. Lord, you'd give them wind in their sails as they continue that walk. Oh, God, as we come to communion, Lord, I pray that each of us would experience this uh, for what we need, that, God, we would encounter you through the body and the blood. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you to stand, and I'll give you the takeaway today, and it's that a relationship with God, it is a living and active thing. Right? It's a plate that you got to keep spinning. We need to continually invest in it so that it will stay healthy and strong. So go today and do that and go in the love of God and the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life he's called you to live. Have a great week and we'll see you next weekend. Thank you everyone for tuning in and being part of the Northgate podcast today. Your support and engagement have truly been incredible. If you like what you hear, then please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Northgate podcast. It's your enthusiasm and continued support that keeps us motivated and inspired to creating meaningful content that resonates with our listeners. So thanks again. Thanks again.